Doug, you know how I'm always uh, saying that I'm going to live forever, right? That, that's my, yep. one of my live goals. Live to be for eternity, yeah. Yeah, and because my my logic recently has been that if you can make it to, uh, you know, 80 or 90, by that point, surely they will have they will have the technology that will get us to, to 200 or 300. And then if you can get there, then, I mean, within just a few years after you're, you know, you're 100 or 150, they're going to have us getting to be 1,000. And then, then, then you don't have to worry about death anymore. <laughs> so... With that in mind, I mean, do you think it's fair for me to say that that the that the supplement that I invented helps you live for eternity? <laughs> Is that, would the FDA you think approve that statement? I mean, I, we probably shouldn't make that claim. <laughs> Maybe we won't make that claim. But the point is, you got to get far enough to uh, you want to be healthy for the long term, so that you have that chance, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so that is that's one of the reasons why. I invented and co-founded a company that makes uh, this this product called Complement. So, a plant-based diet is a wonderful. No, no, at least you won't find any uh, arguments against that from me. Uh, however, I think if we are smart and honest and looking at the evidence, then there are things that are missing from that diet uh, on its own that don't, you know, make it as good as it could be for living as long as you can and staying healthy. Uh, the ones that most people know about are B12, vitamin D, and DHA and EPA. Uh, which, by the way, are two omega-3 fatty acids. And besides that, there are a few little minerals and things like that. Uh, iodine, zinc, selenium, vitamin K2, uh, those come to mind. As things that vegans probably should be supplementing with, I don't want to say that all should, but people like me who think about this stuff a lot um, often do the research and land on, you know, come to the conclusion that we should be supplementing with those things. So that is um, what, you know, where Complement Plus came from. Uh, it's a, an, a vegan capsule that includes all of those things and doesn't include anything else because, Doug, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of taking multivitamins. We get all this good stuff from our food. Uh, so why would we want to be getting, you know, more vitamin C in our diet than nature really intended for us? So it's those things without all the stuff that you don't need, uh, all in one pill, convenient. And what's great about it is that you can get all that protection for just around a dollar a day. You can get all the details and decide if Compliment Plus is right for you at nomidathlete.com slash smarter. That's nomidathlete.com slash smarter. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, it is opening day, MLB 2018 season. <laughs> And everyone's dying to know who your sleeper DraftKings picks are today. <laughs> I uh, I gotta I gotta log in and get that fired up. You know, I, I think we, you and I were just talking about this off air a little bit. And, um, this is I felt a little disconnected with with the baseball season this year. I'm not sure I'm not sure what that's about. I usually get so excited for opening day and um, and I haven't been thinking about it too much. But you know, maybe this is a good a good excuse to kind of get back into it. Look uh, and see how my Nationals did, did during the preseason. And what's an excuse? DraftKings or the fact that they're starting baseball? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> starting baseball so that I can play DraftKings. You know? Yeah. There you go. Good. Yeah. I, you know what? I was thinking it was just me. Maybe it's not just me. Maybe it's something uh, cultural, universal about about people not knowing about baseball this year. I didn't even know it was opening opening day this week until like i think i heard about it on monday maybe mm -hmm. and i'm usually a pretty i'm not a dedicated baseball fan but i keep up with it it used to be my favorite sport when i was a kid yep and uh i've been watching it as i've mentioned to you a lot of uh european soccer with my my kids been really into that with my son specifically and his soccer and all that uh which i haven't haven't told you about that i've gotten super into that stuff 
like super soccer dad thing where we we practice all the time and we go to really? all this stuff. Yeah, it's been really really fun actually. And maybe maybe I will have reason to talk about some of that in this episode. Um but anyway, I so that that made me like totally ignore the NFL this year and other stuff. So I kind of figured it was a a symptom of that that I just was was uh totally head in the sand about baseball. But maybe not. Maybe maybe, maybe it's something else going. I'm on. I'm blaming the weather. I think it's I think this That's this true. constantly changing nice weekend to snow and rain and bitter cold you know, it just hasn't quite felt like baseball season yet you know yeah think, that's think... true and uh, there are a lot of cold opening days and opening weeks of baseball but you're right that like i mean at least generally it's sort of trending warmer right it's like it's getting warmer and <laughs> right. so, like baseball represents you know a little we're almost there but you're right this year's been weird there's been a lot of ups and downs and uh man the, the warm weekends are so much better than the cold ones yeah i just yeah <laughs> it um actually I, I don't know if i can really blame the weather for for this because kind of the opposite thing has happened um in in some ways it, we had we had like a really nice warm weekend i don't know like three weeks ago or something mm-hmm. and katie and i just got so excited about the yard and like gardens and everything and uh even though it has been cold and rainy and ever you know just nasty ever since we have planted two new gardens or like built out two new gardens wow and uh and done a lot of like both of them are flower gardens and then we also have a brand new vegetable garden that we dug this year which we haven't planted anything in yet but um just done a bunch of mulching like just done all this yard work i've just been obsessed with it basically every night i'm going out and doing all this all this yard work to try to get uh get the yard looking the way i wanted to and, and we're doing things that we never thought we would actually do but i'm just kind of like <laughs> on a roll now <laughs> like maybe we can put a garden in over here maybe we can put a bush in over there <laughs> in case like Katie's like you gotta you gotta slow your roll there, but uh, <laughs> but it's been fun. It's been really fun. That is fun. That's very nice. Are they are you, are they raised gardens where they, where you know that the certain soil is virgin, organic, veganic soil, never touched by another <laughs> by a pesticide or a... Well, our uh, we had our vegetable garden is not raised, um, but we had the soil tested for mm-hmm. all kinds of things, and it came back pretty good. Um, the we're one of the flower beds is is raised and then some of the other ones are not but um so not fully virgin uh virgin dirt but <laughs> but we're being mindful of all that stuff for sure virgin dirt that's that could be a, a band name or something Doug, or a <laughs> i like that one yeah all right you well better weather's getting lock nice. down that url now before yeah, you totally it's probably probably already gone <laughs> probably so so weather's good uh i am yeah, I'm I'm quite excited about about this whole springtime thing rolling around. I'm, and I thought about DraftKings this morning, and DraftKings is a nice way to get yourself into sports again. So it is. I'm uh, I'm eager to get back into that as well. If people anyway, don't know, that's like that uh, you know the virtual betting it's, of it's, it's fantasy fantasy sports. fantasy sports, but you can bet on the with money. Speaking of that, I think we're not that far off from uh, lifting of the federal ban on gambling sports betting. Oh, really? You know that? No. Yeah, that's going to be a total game changer. For Seriously, everybody. they're yeah. going to lift the. I believe so. I don't know professional sports or, or all sports. Uh, I don't know. You want to come bet on my son's soccer games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I would imagine it's. I don't actually. I have no idea. No idea. But I just know forever. It's been there's been this big ban on it, and I don't know. I don't know what the. I'm sure the casinos are lobbying heavily against that sort of mm-hmm. restriction because that's that's where they have that nice protected monopoly. Uh, but 
man, once sports betting is available widely on the internet, I I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Might not make any more episodes. The podcast will end until until we need some new sponsors or something. <laughs> <laughs> until we have no money because we've lost it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no. that'll be fun. I'm excited about that. Um, but let's see. Let's let's shift gears here and talk about real things uh, that are related to our to our podcast. Um, we are we are chatting about well, this is like our get unstuck episode, right? Is that fair? I think so. It's a, it's a uh, discussion of being stuck. How about that? Yeah, yeah. So we're not, we're not trying to make this like here's how to get unstuck it just this right. was this was motivated by we sent out a survey recently to no meet athlete uh audience and you know asked about frustrations and what people kind of wanted to do and it would just uh, overwhelmingly this response came back that people are feeling stuck they don't have a lot of time specifically um but you you gathered a bunch of things people wanted to know like what do you do when you fall off the wagon someone says they're they're stuck with falling into less than ideal habits and not having any motivation to break them um Someone else has the has the effort mentality, um, you know. I, I think just getting to the point where you just say, you know, screw it, I'm just gonna, I just give up, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, we, I don't, you know, we don't want to address any one of those in particular, or try to pretend that we are uh, immune to being stuck, or that we know exactly how to get unstuck. But figured that just a discussion style episode, fairly loose discussion, uh, would be a good one because I know people do appreciate just sort of hearing that sort of stuff uh from the positive feedback we often get is people like hearing the kind of real side of stuff we're going through so we figure we just structure a discussion around that and uh and talk about it and then it's actually it comes at a great time because we we had that that episode about about maybe a month and a half or two months ago about personal development and kind of the question of like is all this self-improvement stuff a waste and Mm -hmm. is it all just something that you know we're just chasing something that we're never going to actually get which is better We'll just always be looking for better and never actually fully be as good as possible because there's always more. And is that sort of a recipe for just perpetual unfulfillment? Uh, so that that has really I've still continued to think about that stuff a whole lot. And um, my my you know I don't necessarily agree with that that it is all a bad idea that it's all a waste for sure. Um, but but in the past probably six months to a year my my thinking about habit change has really changed a whole lot and. You know, even even to the point of questioning, like the idea of like when you feel stuck, I don't know. I kind of wonder sometimes if that is okay. If if you're if it's if your body has a lot of maybe wisdom in it that like when you're feeling stuck in something, maybe you're just not ready to get on to the next thing yet or change. So I think I think we can work all that stuff in. Um, but where should we? How should we kick this off, Doug? Well, I don't. I was gonna save this until kind of maybe towards the end of the conversation, but I wonder since you kind of bring it up maybe we should go ahead and start here when when is it when do you think it's okay not to not to be striving for that uh you know the perfection or whatever you think is is kind of the ideal state if you're feeling stuck and say your nutrition right you're you're maybe eating vegan but it's not the healthiest and you know you're not getting um you're, you're not like focusing on having these big beautiful colorful meals every day you're just kind of in this routine of like oh i guess i'll have this again because it's easy to fix like is that is that okay? Is that a problem? Are you, should you worry about that, or uh, uh, or is that just kind of the reality of life? You know, and 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 sometimes in life you just get it, get stuck a little bit. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about questions like that before we started this, and there's not an easy answer to that, of course. 
Um, I guess the the challenge with that is if you if you were to answer, it's never okay to just sort of settle for like this is good enough, even though it's not the best I could possibly do. Then, and you're talking about food now, like what about all the other areas of your life? Because you can't possibly bring that energy that says I'm constantly look I'm never satisfied with where I am unless I am quote unquote perfect, which for most people just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't possibly bring that energy to everywhere. So I think hopefully when when you are when you are just sort of coasting with food and it's not as perfect as it can be and you know too many days go by where you're like, man, I didn't eat a salad today and I really didn't eat anything that was fresh or living. You know, I just I just kinda ate whatever, pasta, maybe a meal out. And, you know, I feel that way all the time, feel that, that stuff. And I, and for a little bit, I kind of start to beat myself up and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to commit to doing this or this. Um, but I don't know. I feel like if you're in that, if that's what's happening in your life or with your food, then there's probably some other area of life where your focus is going and you're probably pretty good at that. Um, or something else that happens to be at that moment demanding a lot of your attention and that probably that moment that will pass. So I don't know. I just think, I think it's, like a younger me and probably a lot of younger people listening to this would, you know, have that go, go, go mentality of like, you, you should always be striving. Actually, I don't know. Those millennials, Doug, they don't, they don't, really, <laughs> they don't have a whole lot of that. Do they don't they? do anything anymore. They right? just do social media and snap, snap Twitter or whatever. What's, what's the, is there some sort of new thing now? <laughs> Snapchat? <laughs> like, Snapchat. I think, okay. I think newer than that. <laughs> Snapchat's still um, a new thing in my, in my, on my radar. Snapchat has come and gone, my friend. <laughs> is that out already? I, I think it's dying if it's not, <laughs> if it's not already dead. Um, anyway, okay. Millennials, you know, they're okay. Yeah. But the point is, um, I know for when I was younger, and, and a lot of this I think had to do with having kids and just like shifting into a different mode, but I would have said like you should always be growing in every area of your life at every, any given time. Right? As long as you're growing, you don't need to be the – achieving perfection but as long as you are improving and having growth in everything that's important to you then that's good i don't really think that's true anymore i feel like there's there's a lot of room and as i said that sort of i think i think we, we mentioned this in the um self-improvement episode that there was some research that suggested that perhaps procrastination wasn't something just to overcome and should just be you know snubbed out or snuffed out i guess of uh of your life and you should eliminate procrastination in all forms, perhaps it is, you know, a subconscious signal that you're not ready to do something, right? If you just keep mm-hmm. butting your head up against something and you're banging your head against a wall over not being able to make some sort of change or not being able to get yourself going or not being able to sit down and do this work, uh, a lot of times there there is something in you that maybe, you know, needs to be worked through first or, or something that, you know, maybe you just need to, you need to sit with that problem and be okay with not taking any action on it because you're maybe your brain is processing how to how best to do it or getting emotionally ready to do it. I don't know. So I think you know there are a lot of things that maybe we don't understand, and, and when we don't feel like doing something, uh, I don't know. I think sometimes that that could be maybe maybe not doing that is the very best thing that we could be doing at that moment. Now I don't think it's always true, right? Like someone could can clearly get into a, a big rut where they're unproductive and they can't do anything and they don't have any motivation and, you know, they're sitting on the couch all day and they're not happy about it, right? If you're just sitting on the couch all day mm-hmm. and you're totally blissful about it uh, and, and your life isn't falling apart, then maybe that's not so bad. But when someone just can't get themselves going and all they can do is beat themselves up over it, um, you know, then, then there's probably is a reason to find a way to break out of that. And that's, that's very hard. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, and the, a real life example for me is something I'm going through right now is, is when it comes to food, it's, uh, we have, we have fallen into, you know, kind of a, a set routine of, of a handful of meals that we cook every single week. And, um, and just, you know, the same kind of snacky foods that aren't great, but, you know, we're not, you know, store-bought hummus and, and, you know, we're probably eating them with pretzels or I'm sorry, not pretzels, <laughs> um, carrots <laughs> and not pretzels, but sometimes pretzels, um, you know, and, and but you know, they're oily and, and not great hummus, you know, we're not making our own, um, and, and like breakfast, you know, I've found that more often than not recently I've, I've been eating cereal instead of, or, or toast or something like that instead of, uh, instead of a smoothie and you know it's just it's like it's not terrible right i mean we're still eating vegan and of course and and we're still eating a variety of of foods but it's just not it's not great and you know katie and i've been talking about this quite a bit is like what can we do that would be easy because neither of us want to have the motivation or or feel like we have the time or, or anything to just like do a complete overhaul and start making everything fresh and Mm-hmm. doing everything you know on our own but i would really like to get back into the habit of a smoothie every day or, or at least a salad for for lunch or you know something like that that um is is a is a baby step like a, or a minor tweak that i think will have make me feel a lot better about about what we are doing and still be able to kind of have the the ease of a routine that um you know that 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 is comfortable, I guess. And, and is you could call it a rut, you could call it being stuck, but, um, but it's also comfortable and easy. <laughs> and that's okay yeah. too, I think. No, I think there's, I think there's a whole lot of value in that, right? If you, if you can get yourself to where you're doing a pretty good job with your eating and, and compared to most other people you are, right. And it's not, not, not that comparing yourself to other people is like the, the way to measure how you're doing, but, uh, you know, many people who know a lot about nutrition, could, would say that you were doing just fine, right? Like, yes, you're not eating the smoothie and salad and all this great, fresh, vibrant food every day. Um, but John McDougall would say you're doing a good job eating, right? If you're eating all this starch, I guess he wouldn't like all the oily hummus. But uh, he might say that toast is a better choice than smoothie in the morning. Remember, he's mm-hmm. not even into that many antioxidants right. and all that right. micronutrition. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like if you're doing a pretty good job and you're not eating Egg McMuffins for breakfast and you're not eating Frosted Flakes as your cereal, then... I would. I think the thing to do is be pretty happy with how you're doing, considering you have a baby at home, uh, and then and then you know, like you said, try to try to build in that one improvement that you can do without really much stress. Because as soon as it becomes stressful, right, then then you are sort of losing the benefit probably of whatever it is. If it's if it's this huge thing that's so hard to do, but you're just barely managing to do it for weeks on end, uh, I don't think that's really any better for your health. And I think, I mean, this kind of goes back to what you were saying a little bit, um, but I think that that has been a realization for me after after I, Eliza was born, um, was that it, that perfect, or, you know, I, that I don't have to always be striving for the, for the ideal. You know, I used to love challenges. I used to love kind of like rules and structure around my habits and, and and I still do like, you know, I still like a training plan and I still like having some structure and that kind of thing. But um, that sometimes it's okay to, that what you fall into naturally isn't necessarily a bad thing. Maybe that, maybe that is the ideal place because that's the, that's where you can stay long-term. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think it does come with the caveat that like, 
it should this shouldn't be an excuse that starts allowing you to make really bad choices right like yeah, right, that yeah. that's the risk and i think for i think for me being being whatever i am 5 years older than you and for you now you're kind of hitting that point uh i don't know i think i think and it maybe isn't directly tied to having kids or it's not necessary to have kids to get this but i think that just sort of speeds along the um you know the evolution from from having this need to have all these rules and structure in place to kind of you know becoming kind of learning to be happy with where you are and understanding that maybe there's uh you know a, a deeper reason or meaning behind being less than perfect right now so <laughs> i don't know i i I'm, i can imagine that sort of sounding fluffy and not well i mean I, practically speaking i think it's just that uh, you know, I used to have a lot more time to focus on myself, and now right. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have that as much. Um, yeah, right. But then I don't know. But then you think that anybody who doesn't have a kid is, right. is then necessarily a super time. achiever yeah. in all these areas, sure. and that's not really the case. No, of course not. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Very, very interesting. Um, I this for me, like I, I've been working with. By the way, I'm gonna have um, my. I have a coach person who I who I. Deal with it's, it's coach because I say coach person because you deal like, with. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, say, I say coach person um, because I don't feel like I, coach is a weird word, right? It sounds it's like it sounds like you're a, a, an elite athlete and this is your coach, um, but someone who I who I check in with once a week. Now we're going to start doing it monthly, uh, but he has really really uh, gonna be, he's going to be on the podcast by the way uh, sometime hmm. in the next couple months, but he has really helped me. Uh, move past this you know this this sense that i need to always get better at stuff so i have and i don't mean like a like a psychologist is like who is working through this this problem i have but uh I've, I've asked some things like you know like i don't know sometimes i just feel like recently i haven't been that good at say making a change getting myself to go to the gym getting myself to start meditating i'll get this idea for wanting to make some sort of change and then i will do it once or twice and kind of just forget about it after that not not go through a whole lot of like struggle or angst about it, but I just start it and then I just forget about it and it kind of goes. And he kind of got me to say like, that's that's totally fine. And like maybe you don't need any additional structures or habit change hacks or like increased discipline. He said if you're not doing this stuff, then like why not be okay with just like being totally fine with the fact that you went to the gym twice and then didn't feel like it anymore, so didn't after that, and then moved on to something else. And then the next thing comes. And maybe what we should get better at is listening. Instead of just chasing every single little thing that comes up, uh, maybe it's better to kind of not be so active, and, and I don't mean physically active, but not, not be so active and always going after different things. And, you know, sort of sort of give some respect to, um, I don't know, what, what, you, what is truly interesting to you and, and not, you know, give that space to sort of develop and not feel like you need to go chase different habits and all that. So... At first, when I heard that, I didn't like that. I was like, I don't know. I just would rather have some sort of like challenge that you can give me that I can have to do this thing this many days in a row, and then that'll mm-hmm. get me over that. Um, but over the months, I don't know. I've started to really that has started to really resonate with me, and and I've just gotten really interested in doing things that I like. And that's that's like I said with my son's soccer. Uh, when I first started getting into that with him, it was like I had all this kind of guilt around, like like really is that that's the best I can do? Is that's the thing that can be that I'm obsessed about right now is playing soccer with him and getting him to the next level in soccer like 
shouldn't I be applying that to myself instead of instead of my son? Like, am I just going to be one of those parents who <laughs> lives for their kids and and has nothing else? And I've kind of come to the point like I don't care. Like, it just if, if that's what feels good right now, then I am totally happy doing that. And then I, it's it would be unhealthy if like I had all these goals in my head that were now his goals instead of mine. Um, but I don't even have that. I'm just kind of enjoying the doing of it and the learning about it and the reading about it and the teaching him what I'm learning. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would have gotten there without this advice over the past few months to sort of like, just, just be okay with doing what seems interesting at the time. And again, as soon as I say those words, it's like, if you're only, if you're just okay with whatever seems interesting at the time, then you could easily just play video games all the time Mm -hmm. uh, and eat potato chips. And you know, that doesn't lead down a very good road usually. Um, but I don't know. I, I even wonder someone, if you've, if you've gotten to the point where you understand what it means and to eat healthily and be active and you've done that for a while, you know, then let's say you do want to play video games and eat potato chips and that's all you want to do for a week. I don't know. I feel like if you do that for a week, you're probably going to, the pendulum's going to swing back the other way and then you're going to be motivated to do other stuff mm-hmm. because of that. So I think, I you know, very, very fine line. You're like, how do you not let that take you down that road and pull you into depression and not doing anything and eating terribly. Um, so I don't know. I, and I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying like, you know, just, just try it and, and be mindful. Cause I wouldn't want somebody to go down that road. And I also don't think that like you or I are necessarily better than others at, at not doing that. Um, so I don't really know what the difference is, right? Like why, what, what makes, something like that not addictive for one person and addictive for somebody else i don't know yeah yeah i don't i don't either and and i think that it's the balance of uh, you know finding the balance that is what makes it sustainable right and and but how do you do that i'm not sure but you know if you can (laughs) if you can if you can eat healthy and live a healthy life and and you want to spend a weekend or you know if you want to veg out on the couch and and binge watch some netflix sometimes and then that's okay you know but if you're doing that every day then um then you know it's, it might be a bit of a problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, right. so are you waking your son up at 5 a.m for two days no we're not doing that yet but <laughs> there are there are days when we when we do practice twice a day but not yeah I tr- i'm trying so hard to make sure it is it is him who wants to do it and it's not me <laughs> pushing him and every time if he starts you know, losing it. Like once he cried when we were practicing, because I was like, "Come on, do this drill, do this drill," and I just went. I was kind of pushed him a little bit, and he started crying. And so, like as soon as that came, I was like, "Oh my gosh, we've gone way too far. Like, we need to stop immediately." Because <laughs> I just, I just don't want it to at all get to that point. And it's honestly not at that point. I like, go, "That's not. Yeah. It, it really is very much fun for both of us." Um, but I'm, I'm very mindful of that now. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, it's, it's been very good. It's been so, a lot of fun. Okay, so. So what if you what if you, so what if you want to what if you really want to make a change but you're feeling stuck in your in your pattern and uh, and unable to do that so uh, another real life example for me is um, uh, in the evenings I am spending way too much time on my phone and uh, as someone who doesn't have a phone I think you might be able to help me <laughs> or, or has a phone but doesn't phone doesn't ever use it doesn't have any apps on it. Um, <laughs> You might you might have some advice for me here, but uh, you know I, I'm finding that uh, you know after dinner, you know we're reading or we're listening to something or or even 
so you know sometimes we will watch something but i'm just i'm having so much uh like time on my phone or screen time that um that i really want to get out of the habit of doing that but it's just it's so uh easy to do and uh and it's hard you know it's gotten so bad that people are now when they want to read when they want to get in contact with you or when they want to share when they want to share an achievement like running a race or something or a shirt photo they're tagging me now because they know that i'll see it and you won't (laughs) they tag both of us uh yeah so so you're asking how do you stop that well, I mean, like, so just in general, I mean, maybe not just this one example, but, you know, like, we've talked about we've talked about when you're feeling stuck and it's okay to be stuck, but I think that there are certain times when you really want to do make a change, but it's just hard to get unstuck, right? Yeah, yep, definitely. And I think, and I think most people would agree that there's nothing too wholesome about a habit like that one, right? That, like, mm-hmm. that's your body just saying it needs to be doing that for a while. Right, because I, I think I don't know, and I don't, I don't mean to judge different habits, but I would think there there are probably some where, like, yes, it feels okay to, you know, totally veg out for a few weeks, um, but if if it's months and months, and you just know how unhappy this thing makes you, but you can't stop doing it, mm-hmm. um, you know, then it's just some it's an addiction, right? Like anything else, right? And I guess most people would agree that addictions aren't something that we should just wait out <laughs> until <laughs> until your body gets past needing to do that. Um, so I don't, I don't know the answer. Of course, there's, there's all different philosophies about how do you change addictive stuff. Um, man, I I mean, so this isn't really an answer, but it's just as some choices. Like I've, I've, I was kind of, as we were getting ready for this episode, I was, I was thinking about the progression and how I would change. And like 10 years ago, if I had that problem or when I had a habit like that, what I would do, I would, I would read all this Tony Robbins stuff. I would get amped up. I would do all this journaling. I would connect with how unhappy that made me. I would write paragraphs about how much I needed to change this one thing. What would happen if I don't change this one thing? And it's five years down the road. How, you know, where will I be at that point? Um, And if you go to a Tony Robbins event, which is what I did 10 years ago when I was stuck with work and school and not having any real direction in life and not, liking what I doing what I was doing and that jolted me into deciding to actually go vegetarian which I've been fooling around with forever but couldn't make it go couldn't make it work uh and starting nomadathlete and it just it just totally changed everything and what that was was sort of the massive action nervous system jolt that makes you forces a change right then and so that's that is one choice and for a long time now we have we've kind of um examine that against the alternative of taking small steps at a time. So instead mm-hmm. of you writing paragraphs about how much pain being addicted to your phone causes you and where it would, <laughs> where you will be in two years if you continue doing that path, <laughs> right? Instead of that, we would say, let's so let's try a small step. So if you currently spend an hour a night, let's limit it to 45 minutes a night on your phone for a week or two weeks. And if you can do that, then whatever. Um, but I, I I kind of have what I realized in in preparing for this was that I think there's a new thing beyond that, which is sort of not taking any steps, but is just changing your environment. Um, and that environment could be your actual external environment, or it could be something about your your thinking and and the way you view that whole thing. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. But like just deciding to be okay with this something that's less than ideal for a while. That is a change of that internal environment, and. I honestly think when you when you stop resisting something, 
um, there's the potential that that suddenly it'll feel like not this exciting indulgence anymore, and then and then you'll get over it. Um, but but you you know there are other environment engineering things you could do, like introduce other things that are more interesting at night, um, or you know, to in extreme case, not have that phone anymore. Right? You could go to Best Buy and get a terrible phone, and then that habit would be broken because you wouldn't have a phone to be on anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless you went and bought a new one, but you probably wouldn't do. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm just sort of. We remember when we had Dan Butner on the Blue Zones author, and he he wrote recently, uh, the Blue Zones of Happiness. And that towards the end of that episode, I asked him, and I read his book, and this theme is repeated many times in there. Uh, I said, like, you know, should someone start exercising or meditating? Like, what should what kind of practical take home tips could we use around the new year to increase our happiness? And he really dismissed that. He said, like, th- th- those habits are just are doomed to fail in almost every case. And that's true. For the vast majority of people who take on a workout program or a meditation program uh, won't make it last. And even those who do will make it last six months or a year, and then it's sure enough in, in a year or two it's gone again, and they're right back where they started. So he said those things don't matter. They really don't. Uh, what I mean, Any of those things could help your happiness, but it's not the way to improve your happiness is not to adapt adopt new habits like that. Because mm-hmm. the failure rate is so high, he said. If instead you move to a neighborhood where you, you're, you know, you walk around it and you encounter people all the time, he said that's like an environmental change that can't help but increase your happiness. If you were instead in a really isolated place, um, so I, I just think I don't know. I've, I've gotten myself to think in sort of a bigger picture than like what's the smallest step I can take now to start changing this habit, uh, and just in kind of a more holistic way. Like, in what way could I totally? Uh, change the circumstances so that it would it would you know kind of tail wag the dog thing right not not force something to happen but instead just make a change to the circumstances that will then um by default just change the way the behavior is so i don't know like i said not an answer there but i think that's a progression right there's massive action there's small steps and then there's no steps towards change other than like big environmental changes like like deleting the apps from my phone or putting my phone away locking like putting it in my room <laughs> like, I, mean, is I, that... would, I would view those as the small steps uh-huh. that you could do and, and you could say if i can do that for a week and it does because, because they're so easy to undo right. right you can just go get those apps again you can go get the phone out of your room again uh-huh. those to me those are those are sort of little willpower drains each time you don't do it whereas if you don't have the phone there's no there's no more willpower drain Right, right, and I'm I'm not advocating getting rid of your phone because I've recently gotten a phone because I was so out of the loop, <laughs> the world, so I had to get it. Um, but I'm just I'm just just for the purposes of the discussion, arguing what like what I would view as an environmental change versus just just a small step. Yeah, you know, now that I'm thinking about this and talking about it, um, I wonder if if because it's so mindless, right? I think that this is the problem a lot of people have with social media and with the phone is like. Without even without even consciously doing it, you're standing in line or something, or you're, you're sitting down and you're waiting on somebody. Somebody gets up and goes to the bathroom. Without even consciously thinking about it, you just pull out your phone and start like thumbing through Facebook or whatever. Um, and if it wasn't on my phone, or if it, you know, and there was just one more extra step, I wonder if that would be enough to for me to like snap out of it enough to to be like, no, you you don't need to do that. So you mean if if for example you just didn't have Facebook on your phone, right? Yeah, as long as you can prevent yourself from going and downloading it at the night because you want it so bad, and then you've got it again for 
But see, I mean, but that's the thing is like with, you know, it, it's not like it brings me that much joy, right? It's not like, uh, I don't know. It's not like I need it. It's just kind of this mindless thing that I spend a, shit, a, a, a lot of time on. And, um, and, uh, and, and it's not serving me at all. You know, it's not, it's right. not bringing me joy. It's not doing anything except just wasting time. Right. So, I mean, now, you know, now we're talking about your cell phone instead right. of eating and health habits, but I think, <laughs> I think it's such a universal thing that like, I mean, e- even this specific example, right? Everyone does this. Um, and this, so what you're describing is exactly why I, got rid of mine originally when i because i when i did that book tour back in 2013 i bought a smartphone for that reason because i had to use uh siri every time to go to the next venue or the next hotel or whatever i would have not survived without it uh well i guess Mm -hmm. i guess you could have because people did but (laughs) (laughs) um you'd still be wandering somewhere out in the in the midwest (laughs) (laughs) looking for looking for a a bookstore (laughs) um but so when i got home i exactly what you're describing i that became alarming to me because i hadn't had that before i hadn't had that i hadn't felt that i didn't i didn't gradually get go down that that path like people do where where it becomes easy to just make that your everyday because you're used to it instead like now i just had the phone and everyone else was on twitter and everyone else was on facebook and all so i was doing all those things in the evening and i was doing those at the playground with my kids i was just flipping through that stuff and so i eventually reached a point where i said i don't want this anymore and i just got rid of it and then i think it was it was probably about five years, maybe four or five years until I actually got one again recently. Uh, but this time I haven't put any of that stuff on there because I don't, I just realized how much better it was not to have it. Um, but I think that's, I think what you're describing, like the, that you fill all those in-between moments with some form of, of entertainment and little and reward for that, that addictive pleasure center thing that, that likes refreshing the Twitter thing or the Facebook thing. Um, so I don't think it's a minor thing at all. I think it's, I think it's a very important thing to to give yourself back, which is just that that space and and what you also refer to, the fact that it's almost unconscious that you're picking up the phone and swiping it and doing that because that is that's all that you really you know not you necessarily but all the people know how to do is just fill those moments with this sort of robotic behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's really really important to. The fact that you're even aware of it, and like I don't know, so I think maybe a, a maybe more holistic, less uh, less willpower reading approach is like just noticing every time that you do it, and not necessarily fighting it, right? But just but every time you do that phone uh, while you're standing in line or waiting at a stoplight or whatever it is that you're doing, um, just every time actually noticing it consciously that you are doing this now in this moment, and I think that's what people argue would like like someone like Leo from Zen Habits would probably say that if you can just start noticing that every single time. Uh, eventually, as you bring awareness to it, you'll start to be less interested in it, uh, especially if, if you're not resisting it. At the beginning, you just you just notice it, and you're okay with it. Uh, what I did, actually, for this sort of thing in the old days was I would carry around a, this wasn't for a phone, but for like a nail-biting habit, um, carry around a little pad of paper, and every time I wanted to bite my nails, I would just make a mark on the paper, and then I could still bite my nails. But the actual mark on the paper, um, for me, was some sort of, mindfulness around this thing so at the end of the day i could say oh there were 30 times when i felt like doing this today hmm. and interesting you know that was just that was just the first step it didn't take any real willpower because i didn't have to resist the habit um i just i just did it so right i think i think bringing that mindfulness is like a really really super easy small step and i don't know if you put that in the small steps bucket or the no steps bucket 
<laughs> but uh, I don't think it matters that much. Uh, so anyway, I think that's I think that's one thing to do. But then I think that eventually has got to lead somewhere, right? And right. and that somewhere, I don't know what it would be for you, but maybe it would be just getting rid of it entirely, or maybe not. I don't or maybe know. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. I'll report back. Yes. So while while we're speaking or admitting things that we've gotten stuck with, um, the one for me that has been the most significant stuckness. At least I used to call it a second, so I don't really think of it that way anymore. Uh, was running, so I, mm-hmm. I and we talked about that dozens of times on this podcast. That I was super into running. I did the hundred miler in two thousand thirteen, and yep. I don't know if I've run a race since then. Uh, it's been so it's, it's been I guess four and a half years now since then, and I've done some things. You've I done guess some. I've done, I've done Ragnar type things, and uh, and Runners World events. That's true, and those were races, but they were, didn't but really not, require training. You didn't race them, yeah. Right, they didn't require training. Uh, I did I did train a little bit, a good bit, a month or two, for um, one of these running retreats that I did with Sid Garza-Hillman at the Stanford Inn. I wanted to be in shape for that, and you know, we did we did a solid 40 miles or something in that week, so I, I had to do a lot of good stuff to get ready for that and be able to do that without a major problem. Um, but anyway, so this, this was my stuckness for a while, and for a long time, I was... You know, would do the thing like I would say, okay, I don't have any good goal here, and that's that is what I blamed it on, and still kind of, you know, it was. I don't know if that's the underlying cause, but that was at least on the surface why I wasn't interested in running is because I didn't have a goal that was that exciting to me. I had already run a hundred, running a hundred and ten or hundred twenty isn't really a thing, and it wasn't that interesting anyway to me. Uh, the time goal of trying to break twenty four hours, for whatever reason, didn't didn't get me all that excited the way qualifying for Boston had. Um, and so like, maybe that was the cause that I didn't have a goal or maybe that was a symptom, right? Like maybe, maybe had I been just as enthusiastic about running as ever, then a 24 hour time goal would have been just as exciting as the qualifying for Boston goal was at one time. So right. anyway, so for, I don't know, for a year or two, I, you know, felt guilty about it. It was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a runner. Uh, people would ask what rates I have next, and it went deeper than that because my work is no made athlete, and people expected me to be a runner for that. So it was just this thing that I that I wasn't doing that I thought I should be doing. And then I don't know when the shift actually happened. Maybe it was when I moved to this neighborhood that is, as I've mentioned before, not at all conducive to running. Um, I kind of just started to be okay with that. I was like, maybe well, I'm just not going to be a runner anymore, and that would be okay if that's what happened. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm never going to be a runner again, but I don't know. I just became okay with not doing that, and I did the martial arts thing for a while. I actually just recently signed up for, uh, or didn't sign up for, but have started gathering information, sent some emails um, about an adult soccer league here in Nashville to get into that. Cause, oh, you know, right on. Yeah, because that's, that's sort of, uh, as I said, that's kind of what is kind of interesting to me now. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, and I went through a good a good phase in the past year or two with weightlifting, where I was doing that and focusing on adding weight. And I, I don't know, I think like I've started to view running as just one of the sports that I was into, and now I'm into different things. And none of them has yet nearly had the passion around it that running had for me. Um, but I don't know, I just I just feel like it took me a while to be okay with not doing it, but once I was, it was so much better. And I don't feel like I'm out of shape. I, I'm able to, you know, not in good running shape, but my fitness is fairly good. I have no problem at all like running around for an hour outside and playing soccer and 
doing what else if I want to go for a run with my wife every now and then I do that and I'm able to keep up so like I don't know I don't feel like there's a major need for me to like immediately find some sport that I'm passionately into again and I just think it has, it has been a very good thing to go through even though it was challenging and I didn't you know didn't feel good about not running for a long time I'm I feel like it is something that's just sort of allowed me to grow and like be okay now with not doing that yeah I think I think that's a problem that a lot of you know, reading through those survey results, for example, you, you could you could almost see even in these little short survey results that, that sparked this conversation that there are runners who consider themselves runners. Uh, and we hear this all the time, you know, they consider themselves runners, but they're just completely unmotivated and have been unmotivated for six months, but they keep signing up for races because that's what they feel like they, they're right. supposed to do. Right. And, um, and at that point, you got to ask yourself, unless, you know, unless it is your career or less, I don't know, There, it could be or something like that. But like, why Why are you doing that? Why are you signing up for these races and, and, um, and kind of putting yourself, torturing yourself through the training and um, and through this kind of negative negative feelings about the sport or about about running uh, if, if it's not really serving you, if, that's, if it's just the only thing it's serving you for is to make sure that you exercise. Like, why not, why not try to find something else that... Um, that gives you just or more pleasure, uh, but you know, is a little different. You know, like cycling or soccer or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, but but we get stuck in these in this mentality of I am a runner and therefore I should run, um, and it's hard to break out of that because you've identified yourself as a runner because you've maybe built friend groups around that and social events around around races and and all that stuff and it's hard to it's hard to break out of that but um i think that a lot of times that's that's exactly what the people need to do uh and oftentimes probably you'll you'll realize six months later or a year later that you're fired up to go running again you know obviously that didn't happen to you but um certainly happens for a lot of people and uh and i think that that's that's kind of a good way to get out of a rut is to completely shift gears and and you'll you'll likely come back to what your passion is yeah i think that's all really really important and by the way it didn't it did not happen to me like i have had little you know month or two periods where i've gotten back into running and got excited about a certain race and then but then you know for whatever reason lost it pretty quickly and that i think comes down to some of the environmental stuff like i my environment at home is not one that is conducive to running because like as i've said before we live in this little loop that's a third of a mile long and there's just not really good roads to run on like certainly if i was if i was motivated like i was before uh I could find a reason to, to, or find find it in me to drive ten minutes to park at, at a at a trail or even a, a kind of a path. Like there's plenty of running around. It's just not easy like it used to be, and I don't, just not that attractive. By the way, I haven't told you this though. I'm, I'm moving pretty soon to a house that my dad bought in Asheville. So we're gonna live yeah. in that for uh, uh, I don't know nine months or so until he moves here, so that he doesn't have renters. We get a good deal in rent, and uh, then we'll probably buy or something after that. But where we're moving is back to my old situation where I can go out the front door, run on country roads, get to a trail if I want, you know, a half mile away. Um, and I'm really, really curious to see like what happens when this environmental change happens. Like now, I what I think will happen is I probably won't run at first. I might try it a few times. But then <laughs> when the race bug comes, as it has, you know, two or three times in the past year even, right? Where I got interested in doing a hundred miler again. So mm-hmm. it got me excited about it and I would start, but then I would bump up against this limit when I just couldn't do more than about three miles in my neighborhood with this loop. It was just too repetitive. 
but like maybe when the environment is different then when that spark of an of an interesting goal comes up maybe then it will be not a problem to push through that that little barrier because now i now i have a nice environment for it so right. I, i'm just curious about that i'm not at all saying that that's what will happen but i'm really curious to see if that does and, and if it's so then then it uh is i guess in in sort of validates what uh what Dan Buechner suggested that, that these environmental changes, these things that are bigger changes that not necessarily willpower changes, but just bigger changes to your circumstances, uh, that they have such a huge impact on things that maybe that's where we should, you know, mm-hmm. kind of put our attention and try to design our lives for happiness or for whatever else. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but that is, that is sort of off topic to what you said about, about this identity as a runner. And I think that is a huge, huge thing that, you know, we, we all want, we want to be consistent. We want to have, we want to build this identity that we have and we want to be consistent with that identity that we have created so far. That's just a huge thing about human nature is the need to be consistent with who we are. Uh, and it has, has good survival benefits. It's, there's a good reason we should have that. But I think it's one of those things, we talked about these before, there's these things that are built in survival kind of tools um, that turn out not to serve us all that well in the modern world. And I think this is probably one. It gives us a ton of security to know that this is our identity and this is how we are and, you know, just not accept that maybe that's not true anymore. And so we just keep signing up for races and keep saying, why can't I get myself to run? I'm a runner. Um, But if you can get rid of that, if you can just, you know, think for a little while that maybe you don't actually have an identity, right? There's not, and this is going on a whole different road. By the way, there's a great book called... uh, the, the Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts. You know Alan Watts, though? You're kind of a yoga meditation guy, right? <laughs> I kind of am, but I don't know Alan Watts. He, no. he wrote uh, he wrote a good Zen book that actually Leo Babauta recommended to me a long time ago, uh, and that was my the beginning of my Alan Watts <laughs> journey. Uh, let me just find it real quick so I can tell you what it is. Uh, the Way of Zen. Is what it is. The way of Zen. Yeah, and I that was it's a nice, that. good book about about Zen Buddhism and meditation, and that was my first one. But he has a book called The Wisdom of Insecurity, that is all about this this message that Sam Harris and lots of modern kind of neuroscientist types um, are saying now from not from a spiritual perspective but from a scientific one, uh, which is that this whole notion of an of an I, right? The I that that we all think of as like the little person sitting inside of our head who drives our body around and has all this self-talk and chatter that 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 doesn't exist that is purely an illusion not just from a spiritual standpoint but but even from a uh a neuroscience standpoint you, you you can't find that that center of consciousness it doesn't exist in your head anywhere you can remove any part of the brain and as long as you know if that's the part where you can still survive that the consciousness is never never goes away right you, the, your identity doesn't leave because you pulled out a certain part of the brain so uh anyway that it, that is a huge discussion but um, I, that has been one of the best books I've read in the past couple of years. And it has just, whenever I remind myself that there's, you know, all I really am is this walking thing. I don't believe that I have a soul inside of me and, and I know we're getting into religion stuff now. Um, but I think if you can get rid of this notion that you are this sort of thing, and that is something that isn't fluid and can't change as soon as you decide that it has changed. Um, I think that's a really good thing. If you can, if you can free yourself of that illusion that you are this one thing and that is kind of how it is uh i think it's a really really good exercise because like i said that is a survival instinct for sure uh or survival tool um 
that probably doesn't service that well anymore. So mm. I think I think if you can forget that you were a runner or an athlete or a vegan even, um, and just sort of do the stuff because you want to do it, not because that is who you are. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a really a very very powerful thing. I like it. I think uh, I think that that is powerful and that is important. I, I when I don't know if this is really counter, but um, when I guess thing to to before you just go off and be like, oh, well, I don't feel like running today, therefore I I am not a runner and I don't need to run. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> you know. I, so one other thing that I think happens to a lot of people, and it certainly happened to me, uh, is that I know I I want to run, or I know I. I enjoy running. Um, you know, this certainly happened after after Liza was born. Uh, there was just so much happening and felt pulled in all the different directions, and I couldn't train the way I wanted to, and that discouraged me. And and then I didn't really, you know, then I would struggle to go out and run at all because it wasn't the type of run that I wanted to run, and it just wasn't. I wasn't having all that much fun with it, but I knew that I needed to stick with it. You know, I had mm-hmm. I had actual races that I was training for, and. And also, I knew I would kind of come out on the other side eventually, uh, because it is such a passion, and I and I do enjoy it so much. Um, and you know, I, I think that someone listening to this might might be hearing us saying, "Well, maybe you shouldn't be running anymore," and maybe you shouldn't. You know, I guess that that kind of depends on the person. That kind of depends on the on the situation. Uh, but for me, anyway, I, I needed to at, at least push through a little bit and. And get in what I could uh, to kind of keep myself going, keep the momentum going a little bit, so that when I could breathe, you know, I did have time to get out and and do something. Um, I wasn't starting from scratch, and and you know, and I was still in the habit of, of going out and doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think that this whole episode has probably been like, well, you know, you got to figure out what's best for you and balance, find the right balance, but. Um, you know, I, I will say that about 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 the running in particular, and this probably goes to any sport and any fitness related related thing. Is that sometimes sometimes you got to let it go, and sometimes uh, you just kind of have to push through it. I think does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and I don't have a good answer, of course. As you said, this episode is a lot of kind of like, well, you got to you got to just go, just see how it feels, and do what's right, and we don't know what is right, which is, <laughs> right. which is true. We don't. Um, but this reminds me of something where Leo, who we've now mentioned a couple times in this episode, kind of like the old days, who's the author of <laughs> Zen Habits, uh, he wrote a post and had, a, had I don't know, a six-month period where he was just into the idea of having no goals. Like, that was the thing he was exploring, and, you know, he, he truly said he had no goals. He had, he had gotten to the point where he made sure that if he ever felt like he had goals, I mean, you could argue, of course, that he's always had a goal of surviving and raising his children well, but, like, these, these obvious kind of extrinsic things like i'm going to run this race or i'm going to you know eat this certain exact way uh he made sure that if he noticed himself having those things he would shake them off um and so my interpretation of that was that you know then how could he do anything like as soon as he started uh like if he was running a race that he would say wasn't his goal i would say well if that's not your goal then like how come you wouldn't just quit the second it started hurting in a race i think he did a 50 mile race and you know, I just, I was just asking like, how, well, how do you know? And he, I don't know. His explanation was that not having goals doesn't mean you just drop something at the first sign of it being a little bit difficult. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what 
we're getting at here. Like, I don't know. I, I think you could perhaps give up the identity that I am a runner and therefore I must run um, and and still feel, and, and, and this not be inconsistent at all, still feel this urge to run but have other time constraints and things that are preventing you from doing it. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean like, I don't know, that, that therefore I need to just stop this because I'm not a runner. Um, I think, I think it's totally fine that you might, that you might experience some friction and frustration and difficulty with wanting to get yourself doing this more, but not really fully achieving that yet. Um, while still that being separate from I have to do this because this is what I do and I have no other choice mm-hmm. but to do this, right? Like you wanted to run because you want to run. And the reason you pushed through it is because you still really wanted to run, even though it was hard and, and you knew that there was this several month period where it was hard, but you pushed through it because you didn't want to give up running because you still really liked running. I think you could have that without saying, uh, I've got to push through this because I'm a runner and because that's what I do. Right. right, I think yeah, I think saying I, I'm pushing this yeah. because I want to do this and because running is really fun for me and I want to come out the other side of this. That's a little right. bit different from saying I have to do this because this is what I do. And I think a lot of those survey results that you that you're referring to, where people just kept signing up for races, uh, you know that that seems like sort of mindless robotic behavior. Who you're just you're just following the set of instructions that was installed a long time ago that said I'm a runner, therefore this is what I have to keep doing no matter how hard it is. Right. So. Yeah, which maybe they got those instructions from us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, now we've evolved, so hopefully <laughs> this episode before those old ones. Yeah. No, but I like like we've gotten it a lot. Like, I don't think, I've said a few times, evolved. I don't think we are better than we were back then. Um, I don't think we are better than people who are in that stage. I don't think we're better than people who, who are stuck feeling like they need to be a runner when actually they don't want to anymore. Um I, th- I think a lot of this is just, I don't know, there's just different stages of life. And and like, I remember when I was into the massive action stage, somebody, I think maybe I wrote a blog post about the no goals thing or something, and somebody emailed me or left a comment that for some reason resonated, and he was someone who said like, uh, I- I'm really, really in favor of this no goals thing and, and then not striving for, for improvement. Like, you know, since I've given up on the idea of growth and this need for growth, um, I've been so, so much happier and all this stuff. And he had all this good, you know, he had obviously done a lot of research and, and thought about this a whole lot. Uh, and I remember reading that and like, I was like, yeah, he makes some good points, but that sounds like a miserable life. I cannot imagine not <laughs> wanting to get to the next level. I just thought like, I'm not at all interested in reaching that level of inner peace or whatever this guy has that makes him not need to have goals anymore. Um, and so that's what I mean when I say like, I'm not saying this is better than that because it's not. If you're in that stage where you're all into massive action and motivation and you're pumped up and you want goals and achievement, then this doesn't at all look good. This seems boring and, and bland. And uh, and I totally get that. So I, I think, you know, this is where I am now. It sounds like, Doug, you're heading in this direction now. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't even think it's in a, a superior place to be than that other position. It's just sort of the evolution that I think you move along this this thing as you get older mm-hmm. and hopefully get gain some wisdom i don't know no idea even when i say wisdom it sounds like this is better than that but <laughs> i don't know and well I, you know i mean i think that the, i think that what i what i'm struggling with and I, I think that uh if you could call it that what i'm wrestling with i guess is um 
is that it you know not having not being so goal focused so goal goal oriented doesn't mean that you're not still going to improve yourself and push yourself yeah right? totally um, you know because i still i mean i still am very focused on this upcoming 100 miler for example i mean you could call it a goal i guess um or it's just this this thing i really want to achieve you know uh or succeed in um and and then or, or like with health you know like uh, in talking, going back to feeling a little bit in a rut with, with what I'm eating. Um, you know, I might not have this goal where there's like a, I passed this goal or, or I succeeded or I failed, but you know, I still want to improve my, my nutrition. Right. Right. And I, I guess in theory, I don't know if it's really theory or not, but when, when I've talked to my coach about this stuff, where, where we always end up is with this kind of great irony that like when you stop striving so hard and pushing so hard let's say when someone stops deciding that they are that a runner is their identity and that is what they simply must keep doing um you you start to give attention to you know how you're actually feeling and what you are actually driven to do and you're 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 able then to you know be mindful be focused be present in whatever it is you're actually doing rather than just like Doing running, or and I keep, I'm not, I don't mean to kill running and say like running is this terrible thing that you should give up. Um, you could, you shouldn't, you absolutely shouldn't, <laughs> right? Um, no, you can if you want to, of course, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but like, I don't know, what once you were, once you were able to recognize because you've kind of let your mind quiet, you've stopped chasing every little shiny object around because you, that's just sort of what you need to be doing or what you feel you need to do, and that's your identity is to be always striving for things. Um, that you can actually bring your full self to whatever it is you're doing. You can be present in whatever you're doing. You can probably have some creative insights around whatever whatever it is you're doing. You'll probably be better at whatever it is you're doing if it is something that that you know you actually do want. It's not something you're just robotically and mechanically doing because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Um, the irony is that eventually you end up doing something that is, you know, quote unquote, better than what it is you would have done otherwise. You like. Let's say let's say you could approach this hundred miler with a with this different mindset that is about wanting to run, not needing to be a runner, um, and in in that you know you're able to to feel more motivation about training and whatever, and and you just end up doing better and you have so much more enjoyment around the whole process, and maybe you perform better as a result. I think that's kind of like where I think a lot of people have this hope that that's where that will lead, right? It will actually lead to th- this path of of like less resistance and less uh stress and energy going into something turns out to be uh you know that you you get more into that flow state that people talk about so much and you end up performing better at this thing by actually trying not as hard if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah now i don't know that's why i said like in theory that's maybe where this goes to that irony uh i don't really know if that's true i i honestly don't but i think it's nice to think that way Mm-hmm. And and like and it's comforting, honestly. Like if if it is terrifying of you of giving up the identity again, just because we're talking about running, and not you, but someone who's listening to this, to give up the identity of runner, like you could take comfort in the idea that maybe in giving that up and allowing yourself the space to do this, you will ultimately become a better runner as a result. And I think that's you know maybe will provide the comfort that someone needs to do something rather scary like give up an identity like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there you go. All right. Interesting episode, Doug. Interesting episode indeed. Yeah. I, I hope that uh, you know. I hope that other people found it interesting. You know, it certainly wasn't 
fully structured, but uh, you know, I like the way it went, and I feel like we, I, I wouldn't going into this, I wasn't sure if we would talk about it for twenty minutes and run anything to say, or or feel like we could talk about it for hours. So, yeah, um, this was good. I'm glad we did. It this. is good. I think it's. I hope people can. T- I'm sure they can tell that it's not something that either of us is like well versed in and an expert in. Um, but I don't know. I think there. I think there are some really good truths and nuggets in here that uh, that I hope people. You know that that they resonate with someone in some way, and they get someone else to think of their own idea that is different than what we've said, but uh, at least thought provoking. That's what I hope. Yeah, good. Me too. And maybe they'll shake somebody out of a rut. <laughs> hope so. <laughs> Embrace the rut, right? That's that's what this might be. Embrace the rut. Embrace the unstuck. Embrace the stuck. I'm gonna go to that domain too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that that one's safe. <laughs> All right. right. Thanks good. for listening, everybody. Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Doug, enjoy your opening day today. Hope you're, Thanks. Hope you're Same to you. Good luck to uh, all of your all of your bets. Thanks. I don't have any <laughs> yet. No bets yet. I may not bet at all. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.